Well, good morning, Oakwood, and uh, welcome to part four in the last installment of the series we've been in for several weeks called Baggage. And before we uh, get into that this morning, just want to encourage uh, most of you that have been doing the Devo with us this year that we bought at the beginning of the year. I just want to point out a couple things from this week. Uh, when I read April 4th, I was like, wow, it's like a follow-up to last week's sermon. I mean, just a great, great devotion. And so uh, hopefully you're keeping up with those. If not, that's an encouragement and a prod for you to get caught up, go back and read April 4th. And really this whole week, every uh, one of those uh, Paul David Tripp devotionals were just really, really good. And so I just want to encourage you in that to stay up with the, that daily time with the Lord. It's, it feeds the soul and it's something we need. We need that every day, don't we? Not just Sunday morning, we need that every day. And so uh, just praise the Lord how he just interweaves uh, some of that stuff together sometimes. Uh, just just amazes me. The other thing I want to tell you about was uh, what's coming up next week because it's super exciting. Next week is Palm Sunday. It's already here, which is uh, really cool, very exciting, great time to be a part of God's church, a great time to be inviting people. Uh, statistically, they say that this is the best time of year to invite people to church because people will actually say yes. So if you've been striking out with your invites, hey, do it today. There's cards out there to make it easier for you, invite them to extravaganza, invite them to Easter services, and you might be surprised that your friend, your loved one, that person you've been praying for might just show up and go with you that day, which would just be awesome. But next week on Palm Sunday, we have Jews for Jesus here. Uh, the presenter, his name is Josh Sofair, and he's going to uh, be presenting Christ in the Passover meal. And what this is, is um, if you remember Holy Week, and you remember when Jesus went to the upper room with the disciples, he was going with them to observe Passover. But we end up going through the Passover meal with Jesus and the disciples, we come up with Holy Communion. And so what he's gonna do next week, he's gonna teach us about all of these different elements and how they represented and how they pointed to Christ. Because that was a Jewish feast, Passover, that started in Exodus. Okay, when, when they were coming, coming out of, of the plagues of Egypt, they began celebrating Passover. And so how that all fits together with communion today, it's gonna make your communion time so much more meaningful. So be sure to be here next week. And again, another opportunity uh, to, to bring someone. It's gonna be a great time of worship in the Lord. Let's, let's focus our, our mind's attention and our heart's affection on the Lord right now. If you would bow in prayer right now and just pray that simple prayer, Lord, today, speak to me. And we're going to believe that, and all God's people said, amen, amen. You know, over my years of ministry, and I think this happens to all pastors, we're introduced to many um, difficult situations, lots of different circumstances. We uh, help a lot of hurting people. Sometimes uh, some of those hurts are, are marriage issues, maybe it's relational strains, maybe it's toxic friendships, maybe it's just brokenness. For some people, it's depression or anxiety. For some people, it's, it's a lot of anger, resentment, bitterness. Sometimes that uh, formulates into more gossip and, and malice and, and rage. And, and the thing about all of these issues that we have and all of these problems, they seem to stem a lot of times around this one little area of sin that maybe we don't talk enough about. And that'd be this area of unforgiveness in a person's heart. And yes, unforgiveness, not forgiving what's happened to you, what someone's done to you in the past, it is a sin. 
It's a sin because sin is missing God's mark. And if God says this is the way it's supposed to be for the believer and we go our own direction or we miss his mark, then it is sin to us. And we're going to see this in our passage today, in our main passage, and also in several other scriptures that we're going to read today. I'm here to tell you this morning that some of the most heartbreaking and sad and painful and serious situations that I have been brought into as a pastor have to do with broken relationships because of unforgiveness, because of hanging on to stuff that's happened in the past, hanging on to what was someone said about you, what they did, and you're holding this grudge. And, and sometimes you can bury that grudge into a deep and dark and dreary place and it only sticks its head out every once in a while. But that's the scary thing. When is it gonna show up? When is it gonna rear its head? When are all of those feelings of that pent up anger and resentment that you've had for all these years, when is that gonna come back and, and surface again? And some of us, we become obsessed with it. Let's be honest, we want revenge. We want retaliation, we want what's ours. Some of us, we just seem to go into this cocoon of victimness and we, we are constantly just in this mode of acting out and according to being a, a, a victim of what someone has done to us. God has much to say about this subject in the Bible. In fact, one of the words we're gonna look at in just a few minutes uh, for forgiveness is used 140 time, 142 times just in the New Testament alone. And so we know this is a big deal and this is a hard issue. And this is a lot of baggage that Satan wants to put on you and for you to keep it forever. Carry it around for life. But we're going to see in the scripture today that we're not allowed to do that as Christ followers. That we must forgive. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Where we're going to be this morning. As always, you're welcome to follow along on your phone or on your tablet. Just download the Oakwood app. Go to sermon notes there. And all the notes and all the scriptures are going to be there for you to follow along this morning. If you didn't bring your Bible with you this morning, that's fine. Grab that one in front of you. If you're not following along on, the, on your phone, grab that one in front of you. Uh, turn, turn that one to page 823. I think it's in the very bottom right-hand corner. There's like one verse and then we're going to turn the page. But then you'll be right where we need to be. Page 823 for Matthew 18, 21. This is a long passage. I really want you to read and follow along and be able to, as I stop and go, uh, for you to be able to catch up this morning. And it begins really very nicely with a little summary about what's going on here. Uh, is is uh, one of Jesus' disciples and closest followers and closest friends, uh, Peter, uh, decides to ask a question. Now here in Matthew 18, Jesus has done some teaching. And if you have a Bible with the red letters, we've been in the red letters for uh, the first part of Matthew 18. Is Jesus has been teaching on forgiveness and what do you do when someone uh, sins against you, if your brother sins against you, and how do you start to restore that relationship? And there's some instructions there for individuals, for uh, Christians, and how we handle that. There's some instructions even for God's church there. And then we get down here to verse 21. So after all of this talk on sin and what people have done to you, uh, Peter says this. He says, uh, it says, then Peter came up and said to him, said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? It's a great question. How many times do I have to put up with that? He keeps sinning against me. And then he thinks he's really generous. He says, as many as seven times. And we say that and say, that's not that much, Peter. Well, let's think about this, okay? Someone steals something from you. They steal something from you and you forgive them. And then they steal from you again and you forgive them. And they steal from you again and you forgive them. And then they steal from you again and you forgive them. And you steal from them again 
and, they, and you forgive them. They steal from you again, and you forgive them. And they steal from you again, and you forgive them. Now, that's just seven times. But I don't know, just saying it sounds like a lot to me. That's a lot of chances, right? They keep sinning against me. I'm like, man, that's, they got to get this to God. We got to get this figured out. And so I think Peter, he thinks he's being so generous here. He's like, hey, Lord, how many times should we forgive? And I'm going to go on the generous side here. I'm going to say seven times, Lord. And then Jesus responds with this in verse 22. It says, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, not seven times here, but 77 times. Wow, can you imagine someone stealing from you 77 times and you're still forgiving them? In some translations, uh, they, they take what Jesus said there as 70 times seven. Uh, so so some, some people might be reading that in, in your scripture and say, well, that's 490 times. But whether it's 77 times that Jesus was referencing there or 490 times that Jesus was, was saying there, he's, he's making a point and he's using exaggeration as the point is that you're going to forgive. As many times as you need to forgive. You're going to forgive. And then you're going to forgive and you're going to forgive and then you're going to forgive some more. Seven times, Lord? No. God, forgive more than that. And then Jesus teaches, and look at verse 23. He says, therefore, because of what I just said to you, Peter, to help you get this and all the other, other disciples that are sitting around there so you guys can get this, and so church at Oakwood Christian Church in, in 2019, so you guys can get this. Therefore, because of what I just said, let me tell you a story to illustrate this so that you understand this beyond a shadow of a doubt. Here we go, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven... I want you to notice this is a kingdom of heaven principle. This isn't just a temporary relationship on earth principle. This is a kingdom of heaven issue. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Who do you think the king might represent here? God himself, the king of heaven? When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. It's a lot of money. And since he could not pay his master, he ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and the payment to be made. And so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, he was begging him, and he said, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him, he released him and forgave him the debt, 10,000 talents worth of debt forgave him the debt can you believe that forgave him all the debt verse 28 but when that same servant went out the one that just been you know relieved of 10,000 talents of money that he owed the king but when that same servant went out he found one of his fellow servants who owed him about a hundred denarii now let's talk about what that means, okay? So just to put this into perspective, 10,000 talents versus 100 denarii. And, and this isn't exact because there's biblical numbers and we know how much that is, but let me put it in perspective for you with just a slight exaggeration, okay? That'd be like 10,000 talents would be like $100,000 that he owed the king. And he goes after a guy with 100 denarii that he's owed, which is like 100 bucks. This guy just got released and forgiven of a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt, completely forgiven by the king, and yet he goes out and says, I want my hundred bucks, I want it now, and let's see what, see what he does with this. It says he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, 
saying, pay what you owe. And so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Can you, can you feel it? It says, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. And he went and had him put in prison until he should pay the debt. You have some feelings here? I mean, some inside of you just say, that's not right. This guy was forgiven 10,000. He couldn't forgive. I mean, pass it on, Right? But he refused, put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, just like what you're feeling right now, greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. Now listen to what he says. I forgave you all, everything, everything you owed I could have taken it out of your hide. I could have put you in prison forever. I could have embarrassed you. I could have put your whole family in debtor's prison. And I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? I forgave it all and I had mercy on you when I could have had justice. Verse 34. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt, 10,000 talents. And then Jesus says, let me be clear, and let me finish the story with this. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart, and the reason Jesus says from the heart there is because it's real, real forgiveness, true forgiveness. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. You see, Peter was confused here, and I think at some point in our lives, we could all relate to this and say, hey, we, we've been a little bit confused on this, because Peter's assumption with forgiveness was this. Forgiveness is for the benefit of the offender. Forgiveness is for the benefit of the offender. If you've done something against me, and you've sinned against me, and, and you've made me mad, and I say I forgive you, then it's all about you. I'm, I'm releasing the offender. And so it is doing them a great favor, but Jesus knew better than that. See, we have this idea of if I forgive someone, then I'm doing them a favor. Whenever you're hurt, whenever you're injured, whenever you're insulted. But here's the truth this morning. You will never be able to drop the baggage of the past until you deal with the issue of forgiveness. And you're gonna take that baggage and take that luggage right into the next relationship, right into the next marriage, right into the next family reunion, right to work tomorrow is gonna to go right with you, right to back to the soccer fields, right back to the, to the volleyball courts and the basketball courts, whatever it is, whoever it is. If you don't deal with this baggage of unforgiveness, it's gonna follow you and you'll never be able to drop that baggage of all that stuff that happened to you from the past until you deal with this issue of forgiveness. You see, we have all lost our right to not forgive when we accept God's free gift of grace. 
I want you to know that in scripture also, it doesn't say that there's any qualifiers for forgiveness. It just says we're supposed to forgive. Matthew chapter six, verses 14 and 15. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. In another gospel, Mark, gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 25, again it says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that, there's cause and effect here, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. I shared this idea of forgiveness with my uh, volleyball team in a, in a couple of devos in the past week, and I taught them a word, and I want to teach you uh, this word this morning in the Greek, which actually means forgiveness. It's, it's a cool word. I love to say it's aphiemi, aphiemi, A-P-H-I-E-M-I, aphiemi. Aphiemi is a cool Greek word. It's a compound word, just like we have in, in uh, English, and, and so it comes from two words. The first word, um, apo, means from, and then the hiemi part of it means to send. So this word, if you combine the two words together for aphiemi, which means forgiveness, it means from to send. What's up with that? But scripture tells us exactly what this means because it says, when you receive forgiveness from God and you accept his free gift of grace, it says that he removes your sins, and what does it say in scripture? As far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more. From to send. From the east, because if you start heading east out of this church this morning and you keep heading east, when do you find the west going east? You don't. You come all the way around the globe and come over here and be back here maybe in two or three days and say, I'm going east, I'm trying to find the west. And that's what God's saying here is it's no more, you're not gonna find it. From, to send, a fiamy. A visual reminder to Greeks at this time would be, uh, a fiume was the idea of a person that was in really good shape, like someone who was in the Olympic Games, that would have a spear or a javelin and they'd throw it as far as they could away. That's what's happening to the sin. That's what forgiveness is. It's taking all that that person did to you, all that they did to hurt you, all that they did that was wrong and you're just gonna hurl it and you're gonna remember it no more. As far as the east is from the west, and maybe we're not as good as God on that one, but he says... You must fear me others, or I will not fear me you. From to send forgiveness. And I think a lot of us, we want it both ways. Let's be honest this morning, can we be honest in church? Should be, right? Let me explain what I mean by this, that we want it both ways. Okay, if you drive out of the church today and you're going down one of our city streets, and one of our great community servants and the police officers see that you're speeding and they pull you over and then they come up to your car window and they ask for your information and everything and they tell you you're speeding. What do you want him to do? Do you want him to write you a ticket or give you a warning? Let's be honest this morning. Come on now, we're church. Don't lie. Everybody wants a warning. Nobody wants a ticket, right? Right, because you want mercy, right? You want some forgiveness there. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I, 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 well, I, I meant to well, but I didn't mean to that much. And I didn't think you were there. Well, it doesn't matter. Anyway, but yeah, I just want some mercy, right? I want some grace and forgiveness, right? But how ironic is it 
That if somebody pulls out in front of you out of the church parking lot today, one of your brothers in Christ, maybe even sister in Christ, and they go speeding off and then they slam on their brakes and you're about, you know, you got to take some evasive action. They're just driving erratically and, and they get going down the road and now they're just take off and they're going, they got to be going 55 and a 35. And do you see that police officer pull out from a side street? He's following them down the road, turns his lights on. What do you say then? You, you, you say, oh man, I hope they get forgiven. You know, I hope they just get a warning. <laughs> Don't lie this morning. What do you want? You're like, yes. And if you're a super Christian, you're like, get him, God. Get justice. God of justice. Get him, God. Now, isn't it ironic that when you get pulled over for speeding and you've broken the law, you want mercy and you want forgiveness. But when someone else does, it's like, hey, man, I hope they get punished they get some dis might do them some good, get punished for what they did. And I think it's the height of hypocrisy here, isn't it? For us to accept God's grace and then deny it for everybody else. It's just for me. It's just forgiveness for me. And that's exactly what it's talking about in the scripture today. We want it both ways. You know, somebody did something wrong to us and they need to pay the price. But how much have you done wrong to your heavenly father? And you deserve nothing but to pay a price. And he sends his son to die and sacrifice for you to bring the forgiveness of sins, not the consequences of sins, but the forgiveness of sins. And yet some of us hang on to this and we refuse to forgive. So I want you to understand three things about forgiveness this morning that I think will help us and have a release this morning. The first one is this. Forgiveness is returning to God the right to be in charge and to take care of justice. You're no longer the judge and jury. You're not the one that decides who's gonna get punished and who's gonna get disciplined and who's not. That is in the Lord's hands, and so we're gonna freely give that over to the Lord, and we're gonna give him the right, because he's the heavenly father, the right because he is the master of the universe over all things. Forgiveness is returning to God the right to be in charge and to take care of any justice that needs to happen. And look what it says in scripture about this in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter three, verse 17. It says, God will bring judgment onto both the righteous and the wicked for there will be a time for every activity and a time to judge every deed. Guess what, God's in charge. He says, I'm going to judge every deed, so let him and move on with your life. From to send and throw it and move on. First Samuel uh, uh, chapter 24, verse 12, and I love, I love this scripture because this is a great time to read the book of Samuel there in the you know, 21 through 26, and, and we have the uh, King Saul is over the nation of Israel, but David has just slain Goliath in a few chapters earlier, and everybody's like, man, David needs to be king because Saul was a coward. You know, Saul would even go out and fight Goliath and this little boy, and so David, man, he's got king written all over him, and everybody's getting in his, his court and, and getting on his side, and so you know, everybody's like, oh yeah, we want David and so Saul gets jealous. Saul actually starts chasing David with this small army, small delegation all over the countryside, really looking to kill him. I think if he cornered him, it would have killed him. And it comes to this part where he's in a cave and the, the, the king had to relieve himself and that's what you did. You didn't have porta potty or you know, a truck stop out there in the middle of the desert. And so he went to this cave to relieve himself and David crawls up on him and cuts out a little corner of his cloak. And then when Saul's a safe distance off, he sits there and he waves this cloak and he's like, hey, I could have taken your life. But look at, look, at what, look at what David says here. 1 Samuel 24, 12, he says, may the Lord judge between you and me, Saul. 
May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs that you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. In other words, what is David doing here? Afiami, from to send. I'm not worried about it anymore. I'm gonna forgive you and I'm gonna move on. And the Lord is gonna take care of the justice. Forgiveness does not mean that we have to let an offense occur again and again, like return to your pain again and again. Go ahead and hurt me again and walk all over me again and again. God's not calling you to be a victim of something again and again. The scripture talks about a dog returning to its vomit is actually talking about a person returning to their sin, but I think there's a general universal principle there too. That a dog returns to its vomit when it's just dumb. And if it's hurting you, why would you keep doing it over and over again? So don't put yourself in those circumstances. But a lot of us have this idea of, well, forgiveness is reconciliation. That's what it is. Forgiveness is reconciliation. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you can forgive someone and never get along with them again. You can forgive someone and, and, and never let, allow them into, into your life again. Now, we want to have reconciliation. That, that's ultimately the end goal. But forgiveness in and of itself is not reconciliation. It is just a step toward it. And see, reconciliation in every relationship would be great. And it should be our end goal, but forgiveness in and of itself is not reconciliation. And here's the, here's the truth. Forgiveness will always precede reconciliation. Forgiveness will always precede reconciliation, but reconciliation will never precede forgiveness. You have to forgive. And when you forgive, forgiveness is returning to God the right to be in charge and to take care of justice. Second thing this morning, forgiveness is a choice of immediate release. It's a choice you make to immediately release someone. Many people are reluctant to forgive because they don't understand the difference between forgiveness and trusting someone again. Forgiveness is letting go of a past offense. That is a choice that you make and it is to be done immediately. It doesn't say in the scripture after a time of suffering. It doesn't say in scripture qualify it by um, after they've behaved themselves for a while. It doesn't say in, in, in scripture anywhere that after they've come to you and asked for forgiveness. No, it doesn't say any of those things. It just says you're supposed to forgive and you forgive like God forgive, which is immediately. Forgiveness must be immediate, not based on what the other person does or what they say. There are no conditions, pre-qualifications for forgiveness, however, some of us get that confused with trust. We think we forgive them and now we have to trust them again. Trust is built over time. Trust is gonna take some time. Trust requires a track record. Trust requires you moving in, in, in a straight line for some time. And if someone has hurt, repeatedly sinned against you or hurt you, you're commanded by God to forgive them instantly. But you're not commanded by God to trust them immediately. You're not expected to continue allowing them to hurt you. And so forgiveness is a is a choice we make of immediate release. We forgive them immediately, but the trust and the rebuilding and the reconciliation, we're gonna understand that part's gonna take time, but not the forgiveness. We can't hold it. And so forgiveness is returning to God the right to be in charge and to take care of justice. Forgiveness is a choice of immediate release, and the last thing this morning is forgiveness is not conditional. It's not conditional, we've, we've, we've touched on this the whole sermon. Forgiveness is not based on an attitude that someone has toward you, what they said or did to you. There are no prerequisites there. If you are waiting to forgive someone until they ask for it, you may be waiting your whole life. Chances are they've moved on, you haven't. That's exactly what a lot of people do. Makes you bitter, makes you negative, it's on your mind, it's on your heart all the time, and it's time to release that. You say, well, you don't know what they've done. 
I mean, maybe what they've done is criminal against me. You don't understand, but again, there's no qualifications. Well, as long as it wasn't a crime, it was okay. As long as when they sinned against you, it didn't hurt that bad. It didn't last that long. There's no prerequisites given in Scripture for forgiveness, which makes it a more beautiful thing. Now, if you're one of the people that maybe has offended somebody, I think it'd be really big of you to ask them for forgiveness. I've done that a few times in my life, and it's amazing how God uses that moment to disarm someone. Someone's just angry at you, and you may feel like, well, I didn't even really do that much wrong, but if you just attempt to say, you know what, I always want to ask for your forgiveness. I know you were bothered by that, hurt by that. I know that affected you in a negative way. And sometimes that disarms a person, and that might be a nudge to them to do what Scripture's telling us to do today so they can receive forgiveness from God. It might be a, a nudge to them to accelerate the release of a grudge, to forgive someone, something that you've been hanging on to, someone who's maybe struggling with forgiveness. But it's not conditional. And some of you are like, well, that stinks. And some of you are looking at this from the heavenly perspective and saying, praise the Lord, it's not conditional. <laughs> so I'd never get it from God. If I had these conditions, I had to meet these prerequisites, No. It's not something that I would ever receive from the Lord God Almighty. But if you want to release that baggage and all the burdens and all the weight and all the heaviness that goes with it, then you have to forgive. And that's hard. This is the hardest part, but I think this one's especially for us here because I think that something's happened to all of us. And that sometimes we just have people we don't like and that's fine if we don't like them, but we have to forgive them. Let me explain it to you this way. Unforgiveness creates a prison that holds your heart captive till you release your offender. And in releasing your offender, you actually release yourself. It's like you've built your own prison. Didn't even realize it. But when you're trying to protect yourself or get revenge or get back, you built up this wall around your heart and it's a prison. And many people grab the bars and just peek out of the prison their whole life. But when you finally make that conscious decision, I'm gonna forgive somebody, I'm gonna let it go. I don't, I, you know, some of you, you've been holding a grudge for so long, you don't even remember what it's about. Be honest, you don't. You don't remember what she said to you that hurt you so bad, you, you don't even remember. Some of you remember it because you dwell on it every day. Oh, I'm never, I'm never going to be close to that person again. I'm never going to be friends with them again. Some of you might be looking at the back of someone's head right now or sitting right next to somebody right now that you're like, man, I'm holding on to something. I gotta... And when you walk out of church today and you go to lunch, you just need to say, hey, we need to talk because I want to forgive you. Or you need to ask somebody, hey, will you forgive me? And disarm them right there on the spot and break out of that prison that's been holding you captive for so long that you've been trying to protect yourself and you're gonna release that offender. Maybe they weren't right. Maybe you're 100% right and they're 100% wrong. But again, there's no prerequisite that says, oh, but it's only if, if you, were, you were right and they were wrong. It doesn't, none of that matters. And when you do that, what you're gonna realize is you actually are releasing yourself. As we come to the end of this series today, I really want us to contemplate the words of Jesus. The theme verse for this series is found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It's been in every, every sermon in this series. And I want you to hear Jesus calling this morning to you through this verse. 
when he said, come to me, come to me, it's an action step, come to me all, that's everybody, all inclusive, everyone, come to me, all of you who are weary and you're burdened because you've been carrying the baggage for so long and I will give you rest. I'm going to give you rest for your weary soul. Come to me. Come to me, child. All of you who are weary, are burdened with that heavy weight of unforgiveness, and I will give you rest. Come to me. The invitation today is to drop the baggage off with the Savior. Problem is, we make the baggage so easy to carry nowadays, right? I mean, this, 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 is, this baggage is nice these days. It's got wheels. You used to have to carry, now you can just wheel it along. You carry more baggage that way, right? Got a nice little handle, very acceptable. But how many of you want to carry this to work tomorrow, really? Stick your chest out, like, oh yeah, carrying this, carrying this to lunch with me at the Mexican restaurant, right? What is that guy carrying it? my baggage make it easy with the wheels and some of you may say this morning well to be honest I just got one manage it I don't like taking it to the soccer field stinks having to have it in bed with me every night but I manage you know but some of you be honest this morning you got 13 of these and you've been carrying them around it's been a load it's time to drop them off with Jesus. What we're gonna do this morning, hopefully when you came in, you got handed this piece of paper, and if you didn't, uh, there's probably still more. I think I see them in the back in those boxes. They're still available. This is this little piece of paper, and what we want you to do as we sing this song is to write whatever it is on that piece of paper. What is that baggage that you need to unload with Jesus? What is that burden that's been keeping you down, that's keeping you heavy laden? And you say, I want to come to Jesus and get rest this morning. What is it for you? Is it mistrust? Then I want you to write it down. Write down, mistrust. I can't trust people anymore. It's been hurt so bad. For some of you, it's forgiveness. You need to write down, unforgiveness. I'm going to leave that burden at Calvary's. For some of you, it's an addiction. I just cannot break this habit. I keep going back to it. What am I going to do? For some of you, it's a sinful pattern in your life. For some of you, it's just living to the world's standards. You're never able to measure up. For some of you, it's lying. You're like a pathological liar. You can't even, you can't even know if you can tell the truth anymore because everything that comes out of your mouth is embellished. It's, it's a lie. Some of you, it's an emotional scar that's just really deep in your heart. Some of you, it's this hurt. For some of you, it's pain. It's, it's, it's something that's physical. It's something that's going on in your body right now. For some of you, it's anxiety that you just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and you, you, you worry about the future and you worry about your job and you worry about your kids and you worry about your family. For some of you, it's, it's depression. It's, it's fear. It's this paralysis of analysis that you, you live in. For some of you, it's financial because you don't know how you're going to pay the bills. For some of you, it's just completely relational because of what all these people did to me and all these broken friendships and relationships. And, but all of it, no matter what it is, I think we all have some baggage. Write it down. While we sing this song, we're gonna open up this bag. Funny thing about this bag is it's full. From first service, about 120 pieces of paper already in there. What we're gonna do just as a physical act of obedience 
but you're going to write it down on that piece of paper. And like I said, if you didn't get one when you came in, go just run back, grab one, grab a pen out of the pew there. And symbolically, we just want to release it here. And as we're singing this song, because Alan Glore picked the song today, as you start hearing the first lyrics of this song, listen to what you're singing. Pay attention to all lyrics in the song because God is orchestrating this to mean something. When we get to that course, come to the altar, we, we invite you just to come. We'll give you as long as you need. I know there's some of you white knuckle it every week. I just can't go, I can't. It's gonna take you five minutes to figure out that, yeah, I need to do this, okay. And men, I wanna encourage you to lead based on the men's ministry and the challenge we got from last night. See some guys lead out. Don't wait on all the women to come down front. They're gonna do it anyway, but some of, some of you men, it's time to lead. Lead your family, show them, hey, I'm getting rid of my baggage too, and I actually believe that Jesus is gonna remove that. If you need more than that, if you need prayer, someone to talk to you, there'll still be decision guides available, but let's use this time to allow God to work. And let's some, drop some baggage at Calvary. Jesus, he didn't die in vain. He died to give us life more abundantly. 